Hello and welcome to the Hannah Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and the Hannah Hundle Show is a syndicated program where we feature the world's foremost experts for groundbreaking discussion within their respective fields, spanning medicine, science, technology, business, politics, policy, law, and more. Join me, your host, Hannah Hundle, on a mission to unpack and understand how contemporary high-impact issues are being tackled by the world's most influential leaders. For today's episode, we have an interview with Mr. Carrie Weems, who served as the acting administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services during President George W. Bush's administration. Carrie has a range of experiences in the healthcare industry, having served as the Deputy Chief of Staff in the Department of Health and Human Services and as Vice Chairman of the American Health Information Community. Carrie is now the CEO of Microft Bioanalytics. In this interview, Carrie discusses the importance of advanced care planning and gives insight on the utility of digital health tools amidst the novel coronavirus pandemic. Please join me now in welcoming to the program, Carrie Weems. So Carrie, you know, the novel coronavirus pandemic has reignited interest in telehealth and has gotten people thinking really across the world about ways that technology represents a new frontier for healthcare. Given your experience in the healthcare industry, what do you make of this and how can telehealth help us in a time like this? Well, um, you know, there's, there's an amazing sweep of technology that has occurred that not necessarily our entire health system has uh, has fully embraced. Telehealth is one of them. And also, you know, we see some of it, but you know, how you can actually use your, your smartphone to, to help you. But I, I think the important thing to begin with, uh, as we think about a global pandemic, um, is have a plan. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons that you see people, you know, who are Going to the grocery store, doing those things. Perhaps they have a plan, and, and now they're now they're executing on that plan. You you need a plan also for your health care, and suddenly people are very concerned not just about their own health care, but whether or not the system will be there uh, sufficiently to be able to support them if they get ill. Well, one of the important parts of of health care is advanced care planning, the ability to have a plan so that. Um, a treating physician, an ER doc is going to know how you want to be treated and to also designate a, a health proxy, somebody who can speak for you in, in case you can't speak. That's as much as a part of your plan, in my view, as peanut butter or frozen vegetables. Right, right. And so in terms of advanced care planning, how does technology now enable that? You mentioned smartphones, which many people have access to. Do you think that's a secure way that ensures privacy of information when doing advanced care planning? Or are there other methods that you recommend too? Well, so a lot of times you, you mention advanced care planning to people, and, and the first thing that they think of are musty lawyers' offices and filing cabinets filled with paper. And, and truly, that, that was in the past one of the problems with an advanced care plan is you know, you signed it, you designated uh, the person who could who could speak for you, and then it, it went into a, a filing cabinet. But, but think about how we solved this problem even before smartphones. Now, not the same thing, but I, I'm, I'm reasoning uh, by analogy here. 
So the same thing is also true, and we've normalized this, for organ donation. And how do people know if you're an organ donor? Do they run to the file cabinet? No. They, they look at your driver's license. That, that's how we were able to normalize that in what now seems like a fairly low-tech way. To, to normalize it with high-tech, now you can take advanced care planning out of the filing cabinet, out of the lawyer's office, and it's an app on your phone. Uh, there are a, you know, a couple of companies that offer it and, and offer it for free. Uh, mydirectives.com, for instance, does that. You can spend a few minutes and answer the questions. You can even record a video of yourself giving direction so that if, God forbid, that, that time come when you're not able to speak for yourself and you don't care, there's, there's no ambiguity about what you really wanted. There's no fighting among family members. There's no, there's no problems with the treating physician, with them knowing exactly what it was uh, you want it. And you can do that with your smartphone. It's completely secure, and everybody carries a smartphone. Now, uh, your, you know, your, your, your family members um, will, will have access to your directives, anyone that, that you want to have access to it, but typically it's family members. And even if you don't have your smartphone, your directive can be accessed with you know, the technology that we have today and a technology that is, frankly, ubiquitous. Right, right. And so in talking about ubiquity, you know, the term advanced care planning, some people might think that applies only to a particular age demographic. What would you say to that? Is this something everybody should be considering no matter your age? What, what I would say is if you look at the cases that led to where we are with advanced care planning, there are, you know, three of them. And, and they were Karen Ann Quinlan, who was um, a young woman back when I was a young man, Terry Schiavo, and Nancy Cruzon. They were all in their 20s when, uh, when tragedy struck. In each case, to this day, nobody knows what they wanted. They were young women in the prime of their life who could not suddenly speak for themselves. And so in those cases, there was considerable doubt as to what they wanted. There was um, doubt between parents and spouses, all of that sort of built the jurisprudence on which uh, advanced care planning stands today. It is not in any way for one age group. Everyone over 18 should have an advanced care plan the same way that everybody over 18 is asked, do you want to be an organ donor? Yeah, yeah. And I love this idea of being proactive in your healthcare rather than just reactive and being an active participant in the managing of your own care. So, you know, in the midst of this novel coronavirus pandemic, what are other ways you suggest people to be proactive in managing their healthcare in addition to advanced care planning? So, well, first of all, have a plan. Um, you know, that, that's that's one of the things that uh, that you know, many, many people are suddenly coming on today. Have a plan. So I have adult children. My direction to my children was make sure you have three weeks of food in your house in case you have to stay in your house for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, now, that's advice that a lot of people are giving. What I would append to that advice is, but think about what else you need in that three-week period, not just food. So medications, people have thought about medications. Do you have a dog or a cat? Do you have three weeks of dog or cat food in your house? Because if you've got a shelter in place, that's what you need. Also, um, if, uh, if you smoke cigarettes, and I hope you don't, but if you do, 
that's probably going to be the wrong time to quit. So if you smoke cigarettes, make sure you have three weeks of cigarettes. All of those kinds of things are part of, of a complete plan. And then, you know, practice good public health. Um, stay, you know, do social distancing, but also have a plan for what you're going to do at this time. This is the times of blessing, um, especially if you've got family at home. Have a plan not to waste this time and take advantage of it. Yeah. And so you were the acting administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services under President Bush. So I think it would be really valuable to get your thoughts on a question about health insurance for Americans, because there's a lot of concern about that right now. What are your thoughts on proposals like Medicare for All? Do you think that would help bring a sense of security to the millions of Americans who can't afford healthcare services and wait until they're in a dire state to go seek help? Well, Medicare for All, I, I think, is a, uh, is a slogan. And what, what, that, what that slogan means is it, it means a lot to a lot of different people. But, but I think what's important is that since Franklin Delano Roosevelt, including you know, all, all the way up, every president has had their aspiration for universal health care. Unfortunately, it has become highly politicized. Um, people, when, when, you, when you have um, health care pass or come up in a, in a discussion, they, they suddenly develop amnesia. The, the Affordable Care Act uh, under President Obama was actually built on uh, the, the health care reform that Governor Mitt Romney, a Republican, did in Massachusetts. So what I, what I think is important is, is to understand that we share this goal, but we need, to, we need to move politics out of it and come up with something that we can, we can all live with. And my own personal preference would be to find a way to build on the Affordable Care Act so that we, you know, we can keep the insurance companies that we have, and frankly, all of those people that are employed by the insurance companies, and, and have choice, but still have uh, everybody have health insurance. And I believe that's possible if people could just set aside their, their partisan feelings and think about really what's good for the nation. Mm-hmm. And so on that note, to end this, what's good for the nation? Um, how in general optimistic are you about the promises of telehealth in crisis times like this? What parts of telehealth expansion in this country excite you or make you hopeful about the future of the healthcare system? Um, actually, actually, much of it does. And let me, let me explain to you why, why I have a, a specific interest in this. We know that, for instance, rural hospitals are going away. Uh, and they're and they're closing rapidly just because they're unsustainable. But telehealth um, and some really exciting things are happening, especially in the rural Midwest and the Southwest. Telehealth gives us the ability to have people in those remote locations have the same kind of access to uh, a physician on a consultative basis that uh, that that anyone does. And I think that is really remarkable in terms of giving people the peace of mind of, look, I can, I can stay in rural America, do what I need to do here. I don't need to change my lifestyle because uh, we don't have a physician in the town anymore, and I can still get the health care that I need. 
And so I'm especially an advocate of the uh, of the consultative, preventative type visits uh, because I think that's going to keep people in their homes and in their communities even when a local hospital is no longer sustainable. And that was an interview with Carrie Weems, the former acting administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Carrie and gleaned valuable information about the importance of advanced care planning for adults of all age brackets. I hope you also gained some optimism about the potential for digital health tools to aid care efforts amidst crises like the novel coronavirus pandemic. You have been listening to The Hannah Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and I thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>